Larry Love here again. I thought I'd tell you about my joy for hot water. When I was living in Guatemala, I didn't have hot water. I was living mostly in little villages. and It's really kind of difficult for me because I was so used to hot water. I grew up in a household where we weren't rich or anything, but we always had the basics. And when I was in Guatemala, I got to where I would soap up the important parts and get the courage to jump under the... It wasn't like a nice little shower. It was more like a pipe coming out of the wall and you'd turn it on and freezing cold water would come out. And so I'd get up the courage and then jump in and rinse everything that I'd already had my hair wet and my important parts all soaked up and I'd get it all rinsed off and get out. Um, sometimes it was, it would get 100, 110 degrees. So people would say, oh, a cold shower would be wonderful. And the health experts say that cold showers are great for you. But I, I just never have been able to get used to that. And so I still visit Guatemala once in a while. And my wife's is from Guatemala and her family lives there. And they still have the cold water. <laughs> Where they live is, is warmer than where I used to be. So, And they'll tell you, they'll say, oh, the power's going to go out and we're going to lose water. So you better shower because um, you won't be able to later. And so I, I try and get up and shower early in the morning and take a walk. But I, I love hot water. Hot water gives me joy. Uh, it sounds kind of crazy, but it really does. And then I get up, take a walk, and I take my phone with me and take pictures of flowers. I don't know how many pictures of flowers I have from Guatemala. A lot of pictures of flowers. And that gives me joy. So when you talk about joy, some people try and define it and say it's different from happiness or it's different from fun. And that's all semantics. We can argue about that all day and look it up. But what we really get into is not just what makes us happy, not not just what's fun, but what really, I don't know, gives us passion or what we're passionate about. Um, and that, that comes back to being corny for hot water. Um, but flowers, I just love looking at flowers, taking pictures of flowers. Um, and then we start looking at other things, the pat answers that everybody gives that, really are the most important in our lives, like our family. I love seeing my grandkids and my kids. I love getting a, a really nice hug from one of my kids that's genuine. And, you know, growing up, I know my parents made mistakes, and I definitely made mistakes raising my kids. Um... And I told him, I'm sorry for all the mistakes we're going to make on you. <laughs> um, we're a Brady Bunch, so my wife had three kids, and I had two kids before we got married in this marriage. Uh, just to give you a little bit of the uh, outline, uh, I grew up in Salt Lake City in Rose Park. Um, when I was in third grade, I started taking clarinet lessons because... They didn't have a trumpet. I wanted the trumpet. And so Mr. Reed, amazing man, gave me free clarinet lessons. And 
I got called clarinet head and all sorts of things, and I would carry it to school and back. And um, eventually, I was Sterling Scholar, and I got a jazz soloist award at Olympus High. I, I did go to West High, but um, I toured Europe for a full month with the United States Collegiate Wind Band. And so I did a few things with music. I'm not really into it right now. I still I like to play the piano and sing and dabble in a few things, and I still play the clarinet once in a while. But it gave me an appreciation for music and for those that pursue it. So when I listen to something, I have a pretty good ear, and I like to listen and appreciate and enjoy it. And so after... When I was 16 years old, my mom got remarried. Um, my mom and my dad had some issues. Um, he was an alcoholic. Um, and they divorced. And I think... Well, I was about 12 when they divorced, when he left. But then she didn't remarry for a while. And when she remarried... I was 16, and we moved to Magna, Utah. And her new husband, Ron Gillette, had a, a little, not a farm, but we had a giant garden, and we had chickens, and we had turkeys, and we had a rooster, and we had a couple of horses. Well, there's my bird clock, because we love birds. <laughs> have a, a couple of horses, and we also had... Um, other animals down at my brother's house he would like raise a cow for us and he still does that where he has a bunch of animals so it was kind of a shock to move there but then I started riding horses all the time and I got a really great joy for the the horses and the animals and we had like a, a connection I'd go down I'd ride bareback unless I wanted to impress a girl or something put the saddle on but I'd ride bareback and come back all my Levi's were always full of hair and soaked with sweat and that sounds gross too but it was a time in my life when I could get this connection with not just the horse but with nature because I'd go out on that horse and it would just take all the stress and you say, oh my gosh, what does what stress does a 16-year-old kid have? Eh, we all have our own stress. But I'd come back just refreshed. And even though I'd complain about having to break the ice on the bathtubs where we put the water and clean up the stalls and all that, it, it was still a joy in my life to be involved with the horses and see horses born and... You know, just like like I said, I didn't know much about that stuff. I was kind of a city boy coming into that. But I learned a lot. And Ron Gillette was a pretty amazing guy. And then I got married. Well, I went on a, on a mission for my church for a year and a half. I got called to Brazil. I couldn't get a visa, so they switched it to Guatemala. Um, in the training center where they train you to speak, speak the language they tried to teach me Portuguese for for like six weeks then they changed the language to Spanish because I was going to go to Guatemala and I was depressed because I thought I will never learn this I just can't do it there were other 
people in the classes that were excelling and would mark off the little charts and say, oh yeah, you know, I've learned this lesson and this lesson and this lesson. And I didn't mark off any marks. And so I just felt horrible about myself. And I thought, well, I'm just going to study the gospel. And so I would read scriptures, try and stay upbeat. And I really did try and learn the language. It was just so hard for me. And then I got into Guatemala, obviously food shock, culture shock, everything shock. Um, when we got there, those that met us took us to a McDonald's. And I thought, this is weird. I want to try the local food. And they said, oh, you'll get that soon enough, which we did. <laughs> and we ate beans and rice and eggs. And then the next day we had rice and beans and eggs. And then we might have some chicken and some more beans and eggs and rice. And, you know, I complain about it right now. But now when I get to have that food, it brings back wonderful, joyful memories of the culture, of the people, of the sacrifice they made to feed me and to be nice to me. And, and so I look at the food, I look at the people, I developed a really deep love for the people. There was uh, a lady named Gloria and she saw I was struggling with the language. And she said, don't worry about it. She said, let's sing. So we sang gospel songs in Spanish. And that's how I broke the barrier of learning Spanish, was singing with Gloria. And she would tape them on cassette tapes. She would even send me these tapes of her singing after I got back. And I broke that barrier, and it really helped me in my life because... I was so depressed that I, I just couldn't do anything. I thought, what am I going to do if I can't learn this language? After I did that, I became a leader and all the things, you know. I, I was on a mission uh, for Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel. We taught. We did a lot of service for people. And I came back. And I did stay in the language areas I... I was a security guard, and I was able to use the Spanish quite a bit doing that. And then I got a job at OC Tanner, and I was at OC Tanner for, oh my goodness, 10 years. Um, when, I, when I got married, I was still a security guard. I, I married a girl named Jenny Diamse. Beautiful, beautiful girl, Filipina. So my first two kids are half Filipinos. Um, the culture, once again, I got into the culture. We were in the Filipino American Association. We did the dancing. We did the food. My mother-in-law used to have a restaurant. My ex-mother-in-law, um, Elvira, amazing woman. She taught me how to cook. And I will always be appreciative of that because food gives me joy too. So I learned how to cook some Filipino food from her. I still make sinigang every Oh, four months, five months, I make sinigang. It costs like 60 bucks because I put a bunch of shrimp in it. But it's a tamarindo, kind of a sour soup with a lot of vegetables. Anyway, food gives me joy too. Uh, and so we had two children. There's a lot of experiences. Maybe I'll get back to some of those during that time period. Um, 
after which, during OC Tanner, I worked there 10 years. I was in the uh, making rings for three years. I was in the refinery for five years. And I was also in customer service where I took Spanish phone calls and called out and in on, in Spanish. Um, later, I went to fire and security specialist for two years to sell fire alarms. And then I went to American security and fire for 16 years to sell fire and security and cameras and access. And then I went from there over to Peak Alarm where I'm currently at. During all this, now, uh, when I was at American Security and Fire, um, we had a lot of different things happen in the family. I won't go over all of that, maybe later, but I did end up getting uh, divorced from Jenny, and I married uh, Lisette uh, and became part of another family, um, the Guatemalan culture again. And so right now i mean we've got a lot of things i can talk about concerning both families but just to push forward i'm also a police chaplain so uh, when someone dies i'll get called out a lot of times either on a suicide accident overdose those type of things and i have uh, information for the family that can help them with the next steps a lot of times there's really not much to say when you respond to something like that because they're in a lot of shock so I find a family member that's not in as much shock and kind of go over with them and give them my phone number and and sometimes I'll follow up later to help but uh, I'll go out many times with a victim's advocate and they're very helpful as well they've been trained and I've been trained in in a lot of areas and sometimes there are things to say and sometimes it's best not to say anything so I do that on a regular basis. And also, as far as hobbies and things, I still play the piano and sing. Um, so I am an expert in fire alarm systems. I'm in NYSET Level 2, National Institute of Engineering Technologies uh, for fire alarm. And so I do a, a, a lot with that currently. Um, for 20 years, I taught the neighborhood kids um, martial arts and self-defense, just basics uh, to the kids that couldn't afford it. I'm a brown belt in Kenpo, and I took Kung Fu and things, but I never did pursue and get the black belt. So some of the things that give me joy are hot water, food, family, and I'll talk more about that later. <laughs>